Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Fountain Church Podcast. Our prayer is that God speaks to you in a real and powerful way. So go ahead, grab your Bible, grab a notepad and your coffee, and let's dive in. We have been in a series that we started last week entitled 25 Vision. And really the, the, the heartbeat of it was, I've always been told my whole life that 2020 vision is the best. And then I discovered that it's, it's actually not the best, it's average. Uh, 2020 vision is average vision. Uh, 2015 vision is above average. 2010 vision is incredible. 25 vision is exceptional. And uh, they say that most humans don't have 25 vision, only things like birds of prey. That's why they can see from way up in the sky, a little tiny rodent. And I just thought that as we are living in the days and the times that we're living in, we can't settle for average vision, that God wants to give us exceptional vision in the time that we are living in. So I'm tired of the message this morning. I can see kind of. I can see kind of. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you as we open up your word. I just pray that you would speak to us in a very real way, God, that as we um, navigate that, you would illuminate our hearts and our minds. And we just want to hear from heaven this morning. We need you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. I'm actually going to read out of my Bible today. Uh, I I thought it was important. You're going to start to see my Bible on the platform uh, just because some of you, it's, I think you would do a lot better with a physical Bible than a digital. Some of you guys love digital Bibles and you should keep doing that. Uh, But some of you guys, it may help you to to focus a little bit more if you had a tangible one. Um, So we're going to read out of Mark chapter eight. We're going to continue in the story of this blind man. I'm going to read the passage starting in verse 22. It says, and they came to Bethsaida. And some people brought him a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand, like we talked about last week, and he led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, do you see anything now? And he looked up and said, I I see men, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes, and his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Everybody say clearly. And he sent him home, sent him to his home, saying, do not go back through the village. Go home, but don't go back. You know, I I don't know about you, but It's really frustrating and sometimes inconvenient when you make plans and you forget. Anybody done that before? It's like you set your whole night out and you're excited to just relax, maybe stay at home, unwind. You kind of made some plans to get cozy and just kind of have a nothing night. And then you forget that we made plans. All the way back 2014, this happened to Jackie and I. We were uh, unwinding for the evening. At that time, we only had, do we have, I think maybe it's 2013. We only had Olivia at the time. She was a little baby, um, just walking around. And we're getting ready to wind down and relax for the evening. And all of a sudden, there was a knock at the door. And you know, in that moment, you, you kind of pause and like, who could that be? <laughs> right? And then, and then it dawns on you like, Oh, no. 
like we had plans. And so at that moment, there's, there's a, a little, hold on a sec. Hey, Miss so great for you. Just hold on one sec. And then there's a scramble because the house isn't ready. And if you're like a hospitality person, you know, it, it, it bothers you even more. If you're not a hospitality person and maybe it's not a big deal, you're like, ah, who cares? Come on in. Uh, but for, for us, for us, it was, it was, it was pretty crazy because we're running around. And you're just trying to shove stuff everywhere, right? Just throw it in the closet. It doesn't matter. Throw it away. Put it. Dirty clothes all go into the hamper. If they're clean and dirty, it doesn't matter. We ran out of time. Throw them all in the hamper. Do whatever you can. Isn't it funny how we even go into places that nobody's going to go into and we clean them up? Uh, at, least, at, least, at least we do. Um, and, and then we took the dishes. And when you don't know what to do with the dishes, what do you do? You put them in the oven. Just put everything in the oven. All the cast iron, everything in the oven. You know, you, you just kind of, you know, light a couple candles and just act like you're ready, right? Open the door like, hey, man, we were expecting you. We were so excited to, to have dinner with you guys tonight. And, and, and the frustrating part for me is not even all that. It's the subtle uneasiness afterwards. Like, man, did I get everything? Are we good? I think we're good. All right. Like, we're good, you know? And so it, it's the worst. Because in the back of my mind, I know that it's kind of done, but it's really not done. And so, so you have that, that little angst. Like there's some things that you can do halfway and it's okay. Like you can do some things halfway and it's not a big deal. Um, but there's some things you just cannot do halfway. I remember coming home from school and I would go into the freezer. Anybody ever get those frozen burritos when you were a kid? Some of you guys still eat them to this day. And I have to turn my burrito upside down so that the, the fold part is up because they would always be cold in the middle. And there's nothing worse. You bite in, the edges are hot, but the middle is cold. You guys know exactly what I'm talking about. Jackie and I, we, um, we went to a, a restaurant not too long ago. This was actually just a couple months ago. And I like my steak. I, I graduated from well done to medium, okay? Uh, I, I, used to, I, I used to like beef jerky as my steak because it was just paranoid, the pink, the red. But Jackie's the opposite. Jackie's like three seconds on one side, three seconds on the other. We're good. She likes all the fat, all the gristle. I don't like any of that stuff. Not, none of it. And so, so they bring out my steak, and, and I asked for medium, and it was, it was raw in the middle. But it was also cold. So I was like, whoa, I don't think, like, you freeze this thing? <laughs> like, and so, so they sent it, we, we, we sent it back. How many guys send your, your food back? Some of you guys just suffer in the process, like, oh, gosh, I don't want to ask them. I don't want to be that guy or that girl. But I sent it back. They sent it back one more time, and it was the same thing. I was like, man, are you guys trying to kill me? <laughs> like, so the lady, she felt so bad, and she was from our previous church, so we, we knew her. She was like, oh, my goodness, I'm so sorry. And uh, so finally, the third time they came back. And I'm not upset because it came back great, and they took it off the bill. So anytime that happens, it's like, yes, uh, you can mess up my steak anytime you want. But there's just some things that, that can't be done halfway. And I, I think our vision is, is one of those things. Some of us have settled for a halfway vision, a kind of sea vision. And I just firmly believe that the days that we're living in, it, it require, it's, not, it's going to require 25 vision, not just settling for a 2020 or some of us for a 2040. And so, so as we look at this, this blind man over the last week and this week, let me just kind of recap. We talked about how vision 
uh, as we're defining it, is, is, is the way that Proverbs defines vision as a revelation of God and from God. So a revelation of who he is and also a, a prophetic understanding and a revelation of what God's will is for our life, maybe big picture, but also in a particular season. And it's, it's incredible because when, when there's vision, we talked about there's clarity. Uh, where, where there's vision, there's going to be endurance. Where there's vision, there's going to be fulfillment. So you guys can go back and listen to the message. But, but ultimately, one of the things that it requires is faith and patience. Uh, because if, if our faith dwindles, so does our patience because we, you know, we don't have the endurance to go because we, we've lost sight and we can't see very clearly anymore. But, but sometimes the way that, that God wants to recapture or, or help us to rediscover vision, like this blind man, sometimes we want a touch, but the Lord says, no, I'm going to give you a teaching. Like we want a, just a moment of results, and God says, no, I'm going to take you on a journey, and it's going to be a process. Sometimes God moves suddenly. Sometimes God moves slowly. And, and if, if we can learn to appreciate the process, the game really changes. Now, now we talked about how uh, Scripture is very clear that, that God can do way more than we can ask or think. In fact, Ephesians, Paul says it this way, may you experience the love of Christ through, uh, though it is too great to understand fully, which is, just let that sink in for a moment. It's, it's too great to fully understand. But then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now, I just want you to think about this just, just for a moment. I want you to experience the love of Christ because on the other side of that, there's, there's fullness, there's life, there's power that only comes from him. So he says, now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us. So we talked about how God is at work within us. Sometimes we want it to be a quick work. Sometimes it's a process, but nevertheless, God is at work within us. His power is at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. I think many times when we look at this passage, we jump right to God can do way more than I'm experiencing now. Way more than I can ask. But sometimes I forget, I think we forget that God can also do way more than we think. Because sometimes what we're experiencing, we don't think God can do anything with it. And so we always kind of take this passage and it's like an above and greater. But what if there's something that you just don't feel like God can do anything with? And God said, yeah, I can exceed exceedingly and abundantly do way beyond all that you can ask, think, or even imagine. And, and so, so I, want, I want that to set in because th there may be um, a, a place in your life right now that you never thought transformation could possibly come from that God couldn't really use this process. And then he does. Like, like this blind man, he did not think that by Jesus spitting in his eyes and touching him that he was going to experience clarity. It was a very unfamiliar way. But I think sometimes God comes to us in unfamiliar ways. I mean, when the disciples looked at the cross, they were looking like, yeah, he's not going to recover from that. Like, like, what good could come from the cross? Even Jesus in, in the moment in the Garden of Gethsemane was like, Father, can you take this cup away? I'd much rather have a touch than the process that's ahead of me. 
But he said, nevertheless, not, not my will, but your will be done. We see even in the cross, the, the most brutal thing, the most arduous process, God brought glory and power and healing and salvation and life and hope from something that the world looked at as cursed. That he can do far beyond what you and I can think. When, I'm, when I went to uh, John Maxwell University, I, I got certified uh, to be a John Maxwell speaker trainer coach. And it was, it was fun. I got to go to Florida for my certification. And I'll never forget the president of the John Maxwell company. Now, if you don't know who John Maxwell is, he's kind of like a leadership guru. He used to be a pastor and uh, helps uh, people both in the church and in the business world with leadership and uh, a bunch of other things. And I remember Paul Martinelli, he, he is the, the president of the John Maxwell Company, and, and there's a, a guy by the name of Rowdy Galbraith that he's like the, the speaker coach. Like, he teaches us how to, you know, do presentations and how, you know, the things to look for and how to structure things and, and make sure you pause. Like, things like that. Um, so when you see some of these speakers, like, he trains speakers that make, like, 60000 an hour. I was like, What? Um, that's a whole other story, but, but I, I, they, they told a story uh, about a time they were going to do a conference together, and, and Rowdy came to, to Paul and says, hey, Paul, you know, here's, here's my content for our, our presentation. So we sent it to Paul, and, and Paul sent it back and said, hey, man, I, I just think you could do a little bit better. So he's like, whoa. Like, I'm like, world class, dude. Are you serious? So he takes it, and he tweaks it a little bit and sends it back to Paul. Paul sends it back and says, Man, I'm sorry, but I still think you got a little bit more in you. And so now he's a little bit perplexed because he's like, man, this is great. Like, I know this is great. But he tweaks it a little bit more, cuts some stuff out, rearranges some things, sends it back to Paul. Paul sends it back a third time. And at this point, he's kind of offended. He's like, like Paul, I, are, you, are you serious? So then he brings his talk to his wife, and he's like, man, he said he sent it back three times. And, and so his wife was like, well, you know, maybe you could do this or gave some insight. So finally on this last one, he, he gave it to Paul, and he, he said, man, this is all I This is the best that I could, I could ever do. Like, this is it. This is all I got. If you send it back one more time, I don't have anything else. Paul said, you don't have anything else? He's like, I got nothing else. He said, are you sure you don't have anything else? You, you don't think there's one little ounce left inside of you? He's like, man, this is all I got. And so Paul said, perfect, I'll finally read it. And so, and so, and so see, in, in Paul's mind, he's just not wanting to fall in love with the, the product, but he understands the process. That, that, that process brought so much more out of him than he could have imagined. And, and so, so God is working in us. God is working some things out of us. And many times it happens in the process. And so I think sometimes we lose vision. Maybe even you have lost vision in a particular area of your life because of time. Like you've been in this space for a long period of time. Things aren't working the way you anticipated and you're losing sight. You can see kind of. And then others of you, it's based on what you're experiencing. So it's not just the time that's gone by. It's what I'm experiencing. Like I just, I just, I'm not seeing it. And so, so I believe that Jesus would ask us the same question that he asked this blind man. And I believe that he's asking us this question today. And he's asking, can you see anything now? Because he's working inside of you. 
You may not see it. It may be unfamiliar. You may not understand. It may not look like the way you anticipated. It may be in an unfamiliar way. But God is working in you. Now, now this is an easy question if you can see. If you can see, it's like, I can see. This is great. This is great. This is a very difficult question if you can't see. Let, let, Let me explain. If you can't see, that means that you have to express, I can't see. Like, I can see kind of. See, if we're going to recapture vision, vision always requires vulnerability with God. It always requires that. Some of us may have a foggy vision right now because we refuse to be vulnerable. And I'm not talking about a prescriptive vulnerability. Like today, it's, it's almost popular to be vulnerable. Right, like people try to gain more influence on Instagram and more followers by being transparent, but it's really prescriptive transparency because I'm 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 only propagating what I really want you to see, but this is not really what's happening in my life. Or maybe it's a it's kind of, but but it's polished. The thing with Jesus though is he already knows. I think one of the things that that freed me up in my prayer time was that I was able to be vulnerable. Finally, with Jesus, even though I knew the truth that he knows everything, I still had a hard time sometimes, like expressing to God, I can't see. And so, so this man looks, he, he, Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village, which we talked about last week. He spit on the man's eyes, great day for him. He laid hands on him and asked, can you see anything now? The man looked around. Yes, he said, I see people but I can't see them very clearly. They look like trees walking around. Now, this may not seem like like a big deal for you. This guy has had a a wondrous day. I mean, he's a blind man taken out from everything that was familiar, which he depended on all of his life. He depended on familiarity. Jesus takes him out of the place of familiar. He spits in his face, lays hands on him, and now asks him a question, can you see now? And And he admits I can see, but it's kind of. I can see, but it's, it's not clear. And, and, and look at the vulnerability of this. He not only says, I can't see, but he tells him what he, he can see. And, and look how silly this looks. I, I can't see them very clearly. They look like trees walking around. I, I wonder in that moment or in, in moments like this with Jesus, we're afraid to tell them what we really see because it just sounds silly wow. or, or it sounds like I know I should be beyond this I know I should be over that and it's like ah I see people that look like trees I mean on the other side of that could have been laughter like what trees like are you you can't see and after Jesus, like every time Jesus spits and touches people, like they can see perfectly. But for him, it's different. So it's like, man, everybody else that he's touched is healed. But for me, it's, I can't see perfectly. Like I, I'm not really sure. And so, so, so one of the, like I said, one of the things that's, that's freed me up in my, in my prayer time with the Lord is not just to be vulnerable, but being honest on, on really where that I am, because I think sometimes church and church life can make us feel, even sometimes unintentionally, 
like it's not okay to struggle or it's not okay to be vulnerable or it's not okay to be honest because like, are, are you still struggling with that? Like, like I remember I, I had, I was wrestling with anxiety for about three years, really bad, like debilitating bad. And I, and I felt it, even though people around me were super gracious, I still felt like, yeah, I'm like that guy, I'm still struggling. And, and so, so I, you know, there, there's a whole other aspect to that where it's one thing to struggle, but, but God doesn't want us to stay there. Are you with me on that? So sometimes in church, the other downside is we can coddle people to a place of default, and, and that's not healthy. But, but what I'm saying is, is there first an honesty and a transparency with you and the Lord that says, God, I can see, I just, I'm not seeing perfectly clear. Like, I'd like to see a lot better than I'm seeing right now. I know what I'm supposed to see, but I just can't make it out. And so, so and again, I think sometimes in church we would say things like this. Well, just don't speak about it. Like, your words are powerful, and they are. So sometimes we come before God, and we're like, I don't want to speak this into existence, but this is really where I'm at. And so, yeah, we want to watch our words, but we also want to be honest with God. You remember the the father whose son was demon-possessed, and he said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. I see kind of. I believe kind of. And so, like, I, I know where I want to be. I know what I want to see. I know what I should be seeing, but I'm just, I, I can't see quite clearly. And so if we're not careful, there is a, a temptation to lie. There's a pressure to lie, a pressure to lie to the Lord, a pressure to lie uh, to one another. How do you see? Oh, I see great. And then you're looking around church and you're like, what's wrong with me? Like, like we said uh, last week, how you see somebody crying. They're just in the presence of God. You're like, man, I've never been there. I want to feel that right now. God, where are you? Or or somebody's like, man, I know what I'm called to do. God spoke to me, had a dream. It was awesome. I had like four prophetic words. And and you're just like, man, for me, it's like crickets. God, maybe you're not speaking to me. Like maybe maybe something is is wrong with me because for everybody else, it seems like they got the first touch. And I'm stuck in this process. And it's a frustrating place. I don't have a clue what's next. And so, ladies and gentlemen, honesty with the Lord is key. It's just key. I believe that vulnerability paves a pathway for honesty, and honesty paves a pathway for vulnerability. They kiss each other. And if we're going to see clearly, we have to learn how to be honest. We, we posted a, a picture on Facebook like seven years ago, <laughs> randomly. This was before like being vulnerable was popular. You guys, right? So we were just... Jackie was just sharing, like, hey, look at the mess we had to clean up. My daughter was looking for a toy, and um, this is what we were left with. And so I, I used this in a sermon one time, and, and we got so many thank yous. Hey, hey, thank you for just showing us your mess, because my kid's room looks just like that, <laughs> Right? And so, I mean, it was just, it was just amazing. And so I, I, I started to learn very early on, probably about a decade ago. It sounds crazy. But I was like, man, people identify with your weaknesses far more than your strengths. Yeah. Like we've experienced more life change through our, the holes in our life that we have used to help other people than our trophies. I, I mean, think about this. We're being encouraged about vision right now through a 
this man who is blind and the process that he's walking through. And it's encouraging our soul. Like we're being encouraged by, by the holes in this man's life. And then you take it a step further. I think ultimately, um, if you look at the cross, I mean, how do we come to Jesus? We, we, we come through the holes in his hands. And, and, and his holes bring us life. I mean, I mean, just, just think about that for a moment. Like he was broken. Like we love that we have a, a sympathetic high priest that understands what we've walked through, the temptations that we're facing. Like that's just... Like, we know that God can do all things, but there is something beautiful about his humanity. Jesus walking on the earth and, and feeling what we felt, going through the pain and the suffering. We're like, man, God, at least you, you get it. You're not so far removed or disconnected, you know, way out in the sky somewhere that you don't see us, feel us, understand us. And suffered more than most of us will ever suffer in our life. And so, so Jesus wants us to not be stuck in our mess and our blindness, but he does want us to be honest with it so that he can deal with it. Are, are, you, are you guys with me on that? Honesty is key. Uh, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, when he was preaching on this passage, he said this. He said that people would come up to him after service and be like, so what was it? Was he healed on the first touch? Was it a gradual healing? Like, like what, what was it? What was the deal? What was Jesus doing here? And we said last week that it wasn't just a miracle. It was a parable because Jesus is using this man's blindness to show his disciples, hey, you guys are struggling to see who I really am. But, but the question was, was he healed? Like, I don't know. And he said they would come up to him and say, listen, I understand the word of God, but I lack experience. Or I've had experiences with God, but I'm lacking understanding in his word. And Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones looked at him and said this. Stop contemplating the problem and answer Jesus's question. Can you see anything now? And if you can't, be honest about it. Let him know. I, I, I can't see. Imagine if this guy would have said, I can see just fine. This is great. Everything is perfect. It, I, I, I can totally see. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones said he would have walked around chopping down people and talking to trunks. It would have been way more silly on that end than just to be honest, like, Lord, I just cannot see. And so, so I'm just telling you, like, we are a church. It's okay not to be okay. We don't want you to stay that way. And if, you're, if your blindness becomes a liability to you and it's hurting people around you, we're going to help you and let you see that, hey, we really, really need to deal with this. We really want to, God's best for you. And we really encourage that, hey, you need to be honest with God with where you're at. And we want to help you with that. We want you to be honest with your mess, but we don't want you to be stuck there. And that's why small groups are, like, we don't do small, like, this, every time I go transition to, like, small group, I feel like it's a shameless plug. And it is, kind of. But, but like, small groups are not, let me just tell you, it's way easier just to do a service than to do small groups. Like, it's way easier to say, hey, we're going to be at the church this day, this time. If you can make it, you can make it. But it's a lot harder to do small groups, way more vulnerable. People are coming into your house. People don't know. Right? I mean, there, there's just so many, so many aspects that, man, our small group leaders, I'm so grateful for because they're providing places for people to be honest. They're providing places for people to say, hey, uh, I'm struggling. I see kind of. Uh, I want to see better. But, but I, I'm so grateful that it's, it's, it's a lot more difficult. But we don't do small groups because it's like a fad or it's just like what, you know, we think is, is going to work. No, it's number one, it's biblical. But number two, it's necessary. 
Because vision is not only found when there's vulnerability, but vision is also found when there's Christ-centered friendships. I mean, this guy did not make it to Jesus on his own. In fact, it was very clear. It says this. It says, when they arrived at Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus, and they begged him to touch the man, and he healed him. And so do you think this man found Jesus on his own? He did it. He couldn't see. And, and sometimes we see the, the, the blind man later in the book of Mark, you know, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. And, and so, so we see that, hey, man, maybe he could have shouted out. Maybe, maybe there was another way. But God used some friends. He couldn't see, but he got around some people that could see and wanted God's best for him. They said, listen, it's okay. Like, we understand that, that there's, there's a problem here, but we also understand that we're going to do whatever we can to come up underneath you to lift you up and bring you to Jesus. And some, some would argue, like, how do you even know they were his friends? Well, if they weren't his friends, then I want people around me that are begging Jesus to heal me. Like, I went out of my way, took you, and pleaded. This word, it means to, to like, like, to, to, like, almost like in a court of law, like you are pleading a case. Like, please, like, heal this man. Heal him. And so, so I think many times when we think about recapturing vision in our life, maybe a, a big picture vision, maybe a vision for our family, maybe a vision for our personal life, maybe in an area where you've lost sight, I think a lot of times this is how it goes in church today. Let me just go to church, take some notes, make sure the lights are a little bit up so I can see my paper, and let me take some notes, let me open my Bible, let me listen to, to maybe a sermon in a podcast during the week, and, um, and I, I'm going to figure it out. B because in the Bay Area, we, we just, we happen to, to, to be just a little more savvy than the rest of the world, you know what I'm saying? Like, we're just a little bit like weakness or need, nah, man, we're, I'm good, Oh my God, oh, it's, it's, everything's good, everything's fine. And so when people say, can you see? You're like, mind your business. <laughs> I, I saw on a reel this recently, some, this guy was like, and it's all over the place now, but the guy was like going to, to purchase a car and the, like the little reel, the little voiceover comes on and the guy says, man, what do you do? And the response is, what do I do for a living? I mind my own business and we're hiring. You want an application, right? <laughs> um, it's it's kind of like, it's kind of like the, the, I'm just a little savvy. I, I, don't, I, I don't want you to ask me. I just kind of want to get in church. I want to get out of church. And, and I, I want to move on. So, so, so don't ask. Let me just get in and let me get out. And that would work great if Christianity was a philosophy. A couple of principles, teachings. The problem is, is Christianity is not a philosophy. Christianity is a person. A person that you are designed to be in relationship with who designed you to be in relationship with other people. And so, so no matter how you want to slice and dice it, like we can't get outside of this reality that we need Christ-centered friendships. I, I've never been more persuaded. When I was growing up, I would hear this statement. And when I say it, it's going to sound cheesy, but, you know, you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. I used to always think like, man, be quiet. <laughs> Nobody controls me. Nobody tells me what to do. Nobody, you know, I'm my own person. I'm my own man. I stand on my own two feet. But I'm like, man, the people around you influence you a lot. And then sometimes I even find myself, like, talking like the people I'm around. I say stuff 
like the people that I'm around. And so all of a sudden, so now, you know, 42 years later, I'm like, maybe that's true. <laughs> maybe that is true. But I, but I think life change is unquestionable. Let me, let me give you a point in case. Most of you cannot recap or even name or even maybe give a context to my last 10 sermons. It's painful, but it's true. Outside of a couple of you, there, there's a couple of you in here, like Sarah Kiocha. She takes copious notes and posts on Instagram every week so she can look in her file and find it. But so if you looked at notes, yeah, you could probably go back and, and find some. But what is my sermon from four weeks ago, five weeks ago? But then I want you to tell me about 10 people that impacted your life, whether good or bad, over your lifetime. And you can start to rattle them off. And so, so I'm just saying that this is something that we know, but Jesus was like, this is really important because the new command that I give you is to love one another. As I have loved you, you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciple. And I think in church sometimes, guys, honestly, it's, even for me as your pastor sometimes, this can just become a very, very familiar passage and lose some of the, the umph. Everyone will know that you are my disciple by your love for one another. But how do you love one another if you don't even get together? Like if you don't even conversate, if you're just in and out, like how do you, how do, you do that? And so, so there could be areas of our life that listen, or let me say this, there are areas of our life that will never be cleared up, that will never be healed outside of the context of relationship. We see in James chapter five, again, this is a very familiar passage. And if you're a small group leader, you hear this all the time. And if you're not a small group leader, you probably still hear it all the time. But this is it. You're going to hear it in growth track. Absolutely. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed, not forgiven because that's between you and the Lord, but healed, Right. Then the prayer of the and the prayer of the righteous person is powerful and effective. I love this because right before this, it talks about if you are sick, like call on the elders of the church to lay hands on you and pray for you. But then, then James sidesteps and says it's not just the elders that have the authority to pray and to be instruments of God. It's, it's confess your sins to each other. So, so we may know this, but I want I want you to just ask yourself a simple question: When is the last time you confessed your sin to somebody? Like the real sin. Not, not the, you know, packaged version, but like, man, I am really struggling here. And maybe it's not even sin. Maybe it's just a struggle. Maybe it's just the fact that you're just saying, I just can't see. I mean, people are looking like trees these days, man. I don't know. <laughs> right? Like, when's the last time there was a conversation like that where you're able to bear your soul and walk away like, oh, no. Like, they could really hurt me with that info. That's when you know it was a real moment. Like you walk away, you're in the car, you're like, shoot, this is going to go one of two ways, man. <laughs> it's going to go real good or it's going to go real bad. And it's like, man, that's how God has called us to live with one another. John, John MacArthur, he says it this way. He says, mutual honesty, openness, and sharing of needs will enable believers to upload each other in the spiritual, uphold each other, upload, <laughs> uphold, <laughs> uphold each other in the spiritual struggle. The energetic, passionate prayers of godly people have the power to accomplish much. So it's not just like, like just an event session. No, it's like, hey, I hear you. Let's bring it to Jesus. I love how it's not, not, it's not even let me counsel you. It's not like, hey, oh, oh, thank you for telling me. Let, let me fix your problem. That's not what he asked us to do. 
He says, no, just facilitate the great exchange. I, I hear where you're struggling. Let's just bring it to Jesus. And I'm standing with you. I, just like these guys, I'm going to bring him to Jesus. Jesus, can you touch this person? We'd love a touch. If you want to give a teaching, like whatever you want to do, can you just do something in their life? Facilitate the great exchange. And so could it be that there's a lack of vision in our life because there, there's a lack of Christ-centered relationships? And, and, and it's like, man, I, I'm not seeing clearly. It'd be great to have somebody around you that you can say, man, can you help me? And the last one is this. So, so we need vulnerability. We need Christ-centered friendships. And then we just simply need obedience. And, and I, I want to wrap up with this because it says that Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes again. Some of you just need a touch again. And again. And again. And his eyes were opened. His sight was completely restored, and he could see, I love this, everything clearly. I'm like, dude, way to go for being honest. Because, yeah. like, you're talking to Jesus. What if you said, I can see clearly? The Lord's like, for real? You sure people don't look like trees? I'm like, dang, he knows. Jesus sent him away saying, I love this. I want you to go home, but don't go back. Don't go back into the village on your way home. We said that that village was reprimanded by Jesus. Matthew and Luke, Jesus said, woe unto you, Bethsaida. Man, if the miracles that were done here happened in Sodom and Gomorrah, they would have repented. But the unbelief was so strong. And he said, I want you to go home, but I don't want you to go back. I don't want you to go back to those unhealthy relationships that we've severed. I don't want you to go back to those unhealthy mindsets and those habits. I don't want you to go back to that sin. I want you to go home and testify. I just don't want you to go back. I want you to take another route. You're going to have to trust me on this because I know you're used to going through Bethsaida. I know you're used to hanging out in that village. I know that's where your life and all the familiar things are, the familiar routines, the streets, and the spirits. It's all familiar. But I don't want you going back to that city. I don't want you going back to your old life, going back to old sight, going back to unbelief. I want you to move forward. For I've set you free. You see clearly now. Jesus said, man, you don't want to, you know, clear the whole house of demonic oppression, possession, bondage, and all that, and then not fill it up. Because the enemy wants to occupy that space again. And sometimes he'll bring a little arsenal with him. So I want you to go home. I just don't want you to go back. Go home. But don't go back. Go home. But don't go back. So maybe, maybe you're here today and you're struggling to believe a little bit. Maybe you're just like, man, uh, I really need Jesus to transform me. Maybe you know him. Maybe you don't know him. But can I just tell you, having Jesus transform you is, is, is not like adopting a religion. We're just going to kind of sum up some power, take some notes, do what you think you should do, even know you should do. Yeah, I need to love a little better. Should probably live a little bit better. Be good if I could pray a little bit more. Be great if I could connect to God. So I'm going to go find a spiritual mode that works for me, kind of plug into it, observe some of its stuff. The problem, again, is Christianity is not a religion. 
And in order to be in relationship with somebody, guess what they have to do? They have to open, they have to open up themselves for you to understand them. It's relationship. Like you got to get close enough where they're like, yeah, this is, this is who I am. And this is what I have for you. And so can I just encourage you today? Don't, don't try to just pick up the pen and go do something when you leave here. Just maybe today you just need to say, Lord, I, I'm not seeing you the way that I should. I'm just, I see kind of, but I'm just not seeing clearly. You know, the beautiful reality is we can come to Jesus with that statement. And the Lord welcomes that and wants to reveal himself to you in a greater way. Do you know, it, it, was, it was on the sixth hour on the cross that darkness swept over the, the land till the ninth hour. Arduous process of darkness. Jesus plunged into darkness. You, you want to get, get this. He loves us so much that he said, I'm going to lose my sight so that you can have yours. You remember on the cross, it's an arduous process. Lord, if you could take this cup from me, take it, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And all of a sudden, darkness came over the land on the sixth hour. It lasted to the ninth hour. And in that process, he cried out, Eloi, Eloi, lama samabachani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I can't see you. I can't. I, where? He was forsaken so that we could see. Can I just tell you, if, that, if your heart, heart leaps in that reality that he was plunged in darkness, that we might come into his marvelous light, you're starting to see again. You're starting to see. If that doesn't move your heart and you're just like, yeah, I kind of know that, look at it again. And look at it again and look at it every single day until that reality hits you, until that grace hits your heart in such a way where you're like, oh my gosh, I'm starting to see again. Lord, I pray that as we, as we go, I just want you to ask with every head bowed, every eye closed, we have just have a, a, just, just 30 seconds. I just want you to ask the Holy Spirit right now. Just say, Holy Spirit. If you're new, I promise it's not weird. It's not like a seance or anything. Just, you're just talking to the Lord. Say, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to get from this message? Where am I not seeing clearly? Where do I need to be vulnerable and honest? Do I need some friends? Is it obedience? Do I keep going back? Lord, I pray that you seal this moment in our hearts, God. And that we simply ask, answer your question today. Can you see anything now? And if not, that we'd be honest about it. Listen, maybe you're here today, you're online, you're in person, and you just need to come back home. Like, it's so easy. You could, you could leave today just super quick, but, but it's really time to come home today. And you know, because you're seeing kind of. And you're like, gosh, I just want to see clearly again. So maybe for the first time, maybe you never trusted Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you need to rededicate your life. If you're here in person, would you just slip up your hand? If you say, that's me, Pastor Mark, would you pray for me? Would you pray with me? If anybody here, this is, I need to surrender today. I need to surrender. I need to rededicate my life. I need to come home. Maybe if you're online, yeah. 
Our prayer team is going to be up here right after service. If that's you, if you need prayer for anything, or even if you're like, oh, man, I'm just not seeing clearly. Our prayer team, you know what we're going to do? As, as you're honest about that, we're, we're going to do exactly what the scripture tells us. We're going to bring it right to Jesus. And we're going to stand with you and pray with you and, and bring you to the Lord, lift you up. Maybe you know somebody else. Maybe you're the friend today that you need to come up for prayer afterwards and say, man, I really need to bring my friend before Jesus. They may not even be here, but, but we can still stand in the gap for them. I want you to let us pray with you. And if you needed to rededicate your life or trust in the Lord for the first time, man, online, you can call that number, let us know. In person, you come up, let our prayer team pray with you. And uh, we just ask God that you would do this work in our hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand to your feet? Our prayer team's going to be up here. So if you need prayer for anything, can I just please take advantage of these guys? Like no other time would I tell you like to take advantage of people, but they have been waiting and excited to stand with you and pray with you and facilitate that great exchange. So that's going to happen. Uh, we have Girl Track Step 2, um, all about discovering a little bit more how you're designed and wired if you've never been to Growth Track, come. You should come today. Uh, step two, both in person and online. So online, just let us know if you want to be a part of that. We'll send you a link. Um, small groups, it's not too late um, to jump into a small group this semester. We have Angel Tree also that we'd love for you to be a part of today. You can actually partake. We're going to start the process of adopting families of parents who are incarcerated and uh, give them a Christmas this year we got a few other things uh, that are transpiring that God is going to be using us as a church to do. Um, not, I can't go into all of it right now, but, um, but I do want to do one thing. I want to pray over you before you leave. That, God, that you would bless each and every one, that you'd keep them. God, that you'd make your face shine upon them, that we'd be a church where it's okay to not be okay. It's just not okay to stay not okay. And the way that we do that, God, is we, we got to love and serve one another. And, Lord, I pray that you would just minister, God, in such a way as we leave that this word would resonate in our hearts, that you would bring it to our minds, Holy Spirit, that we would see clearly in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen and amen. Thanks again for joining us here at Fountain Church. For more details on how to get connected, visit us at fountainchurch.cc. We're also on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. We'll see you next time.